today we're going to be talking about comparison. And to start off with, I'd like to show you a picture of my granddaughter, my newest baby. That's Billy. <laughs> That's at four weeks. And she is oblivious to any kind of comparison, right? She's oblivious to everything at that moment, I think. And the same when you were born, you were oblivious to any kind of comparison. We have to learn to compare ourselves to others. You know, you have to learn that devious behavior. Um, but since the time that you're born, there's many areas in our lives that get affected by this comparison thing. Uh, I like to hit it pretty hard today. Comparison can be a very, very serious uh, difficulty for us because so many areas of our lives get hit by it. It can literally permeate and bleed into every area of our personalities if we're not careful. So we think about comparison in regards to our appearance. Girls, right? You, you know, you're good with your hair until you see her hair. And you're thinking, wow, look at her hair. You know, that's amazing. And I'm kind of like some of you guys. I just wish I had some hair left, you know. And, uh, and, and bald is beautiful, right? Yeah. All right. But I know what guys are like. They go to the gym, and at least I go to the gym, and I think, yeah, you, wish, you, you should have seen me in my prime, you know, <laughs> something like that. But right now in our society, there's really no greater thing than taking selfies, right? And we all do it. So I don't know if you've seen this, but I just cracked up at this. Let's go ahead and roll that if you would. So, so none of those girls noticed the hit on the, on the field, did they? Have you ever felt like that, though? Um, nobody's paying attention to what I've done. I've slaved over this meal, and nobody cares. They're just still on their phones. Um, some of us get stuck in comparisons when it comes to our achievements, some in our appearances, and some of us are things. You know, your car is fine until you see her car. Your home is fine until you see his home. Your husband is okay until you see how he treats his wife. And why did they get that scholarship? I wanted that scholarship. It goes on and on. So when I was in grade school, I had a buddy, his name was Brad, and he lived across the street from me. He was a doctor's son, and he was very bright. He made straight A's every report card. We had these things called report cards back in the day where you had to, I don't know what they do now. Um, I think it's a lot more civil the way that they do it now, but this is how we used to do it um, back in the 60s. Yeah. That, doesn't that sound great? Back in the 60s. And uh, you would get that handed out to you, to all the poor students' chagrin, right there in class. And everybody, all the smart kids would start comparing their report cards. But I was the kid that was in the back like Willy Wonka, you know, the kid, Charlie, opening up that last chocolate bar, trying to see what it is, because I didn't want to see what was in there. And one day when the report cards, I used to dread report card day. And one day when the report cards were handed out, my buddy Brad, he came over and he ripped the card out of my hand and said, what'd you get, Hagney? And 
I tackled him. I wrestled, I literally threw him back over the chairs and I was on top of him wrestling out that report card before he could tell the world that I wasn't as smart as him. And he was so perturbed, he got up and he dusted himself off and he, he says, what's the matter with you, Hegney? Those are decent grades. Comparison. I think probably that was a case of overreaction maybe. Some insecurity in me. Definitely a case of comparison that needed not to be there. Comparison's everywhere. Comparison hits us in school. It's in our money. It's in our relationships. It's something that we don't outgrow. Why are they doing better than I am? I just don't understand. And here's where it can even bleed into is comparisons in our spiritual walk, in our spirituality. It gets really tricky and really funky in this area. When you start thinking, man, you know what? I've been following God and I've been trying to do what's right for this period of time and things are not going that great for me. And look at them. Man, they haven't even tried to follow God and things are going, it appears like they're going so well for them. And I just don't understand that. You get to this place of, of where darkness starts to come to your mind because you're, you just don't understand. Maybe for you it's that you haven't been able to have kids and, and, and so you're wondering what's wrong with me and then you look at John and Jessica, and they're just having kids every day, you know. <laughs> and you're happy for them, but you're struggling yourself. Or maybe you have kids, and you want different kids. Because <laughs> these, these ones are broken, you know. <laughs> and it doesn't have anything to do with my parenting. I know it's not that, you know. Maybe you have a dad or a mom who, you know, you, you would really like them to be in your life. But for whatever reason, whether it's their jobs, they can't be, or it's an addiction, and they're, for whatever reason, they're not in your life. And you watch your friend, and your friend's dad s- spends three nights, four nights a week with them throwing a ball or or shooting baskets, or doing something, or playing video games, and you just want that so bad, and you just say, I just don't understand this, I don't, and you start comparing yourself in your life, and you look at your life, and you wonder, where is the blessing, where is God in this, in my life? Or maybe you're the kid that didn't get picked for the team, and coach had to cut you, and you're thinking, I, I just don't get this. Here's a little story of comparison and contentment. Once upon a time, there was a little man who obsessed with collecting clocks. And, you know, the world's filled with all different kinds of clocks. There's grandfather clocks, there's grandmother clocks, there's cuckoo clocks, there's alarm clocks and digital clocks and analog clocks, big clocks, little clocks, medium-sized clocks. And our little clock collector was obsessed with collecting these clocks. And so he would 
think about him during the night and during the daytimes he would go looking for clocks. He would actually go to the stores. He'd go to the antique stores and find some clocks. He would buy one. And then he would go to the new stores and buy one of the new ones, the latest clocks. He's just obsessed with clocks. He would even go door to door looking for clocks. And soon he had so many clocks that he couldn't contain them all in his house. So he built a room outside his house for the clocks. And he put a big giant security padlock on that room so nobody would get in and steal his clocks. He just loved clocks. So the process was this. It was always the same. He would get a clock and he would look it over and he would feel the contours of the clock and he would play it if it played and and if it needed to be fixed, he would fix it if it was an old clock. And then when he was satisfied, he would walk it out to his room back of his house and he would open up the padlock and he would put the go inside the room and he would put the clock on the wall or lay it on the ground and he had clocks all over in the in this room and met for the last couple of weeks something weird was happening every time he would slip into the room or slip back there to his room and and uh, undo the lock he would hear this whispering and the whispering would said, Hans of Sweden has more clocks than you. Susanna of London has more rare clocks than you do. If only you could get another clock, then you'd be happy. So sometimes the whispering even got sinister. Is your room secure enough? People might steal your clocks. And whenever the whispering started the little clock collector was sure that he could see someone out of the side of his eye and saw a flash go by. And one day, the little clock collector went out to his room, and to his surprise, there was no whisper. And he was pleasantly surprised that there was no whispering inside of his head or whatever he was hearing. But his pleasure ended as soon as he entered into the room. And there was somebody inside the room. Who are you? demanded the clock collector. Why, I'm a thief. And he was tall, he was wiry, he had these impish eyes. And with that, he carried an exquisite antique clock. And he carried it to the shelf and he placed it gently down on the shelf and gave it a quick dusting. And he said, oh, don't worry, it's not stolen, it's mine, it's, a, it's my gift to you. As the tall, wiry fellow with the impish eyes spoke, his voice sounded really familiar to the little clock collector. Yeah, this is the same voice that was whispering to me. This was the voice that whispered into my ear each time I unlocked the door to the room. And he said, I've... You're a thief. You're a thief. The clock collector thought about it. But a thief would be removing my clocks, would be stealing my collection, not adding to them. What sort of thief are you? Oh, I haven't come to steal your clocks, said the tall, wiry thief with impish eyes. You know my voice, though, don't you? You've heard me many times before. And he leaned forward and he says, 
Hans has more clocks than you. Susanna has more rare clocks than you do. If only you could get another clock. Is your room secure? He continued, I've been here every time you've visited your special room. I haven't come to steal your clocks. I've come to steal your contentment. So my question to us today is, what is whispering in our heads? What kind of comparisons are coming into our heads about what other people get to experience, get to do, or who they are? Comparison kills contentment. Philippians chapter 4, Paul, who followed Christ, wrote these words. And what I want to say about Paul real quickly is he was not in a place in his life which was pleasant. Kids, have you ever done something or not done something wrong and got in trouble for it? I remember that happened to me one time. I was sitting in the bleachers during a pep assembly and smoke bomb went off. I'm watching the pep assembly and smoke is just rising above around me. And so I get to go to the office. And I didn't even do anything. I didn't even know it was happening. Everybody else was scurrying. I'm just sitting there. Smoke's coming. And this is kind of what happened to Paul at this moment. He hadn't done anything wrong. He's just living for God. He's taking the good news, the teachings of Jesus Christ, and the message of his salvation to people that, that hadn't heard yet. And he got in trouble for it. And they threw him into prison. And while he was in prison, he wrote these words. And try to picture what that would be like. You haven't done anything wrong, and everything has just been jerked away from you, and now you're in a lot of pain, if not physical, emotional as well. And he says this. He says, I have learned to be content. He says, I'm not saying this because I, I'm in need, for I've learned to be content. Learned to be content. I love that. I've learned to be content. You have to learn to compare yourself to other people. And you have to learn to be content. It's an exercise of discipline, mental, emotional, spiritual discipline to not compare ourselves to other people. And I'll tell you why here in just a second. But it's not like that you just wake up one day and you, you think, huh, I'm content. It just doesn't work that way. Sometimes you might wake up a little bit more content, than, but it doesn't take long. Pretty soon you see something that you don't have. Or you see somebody that you're not like. And you're wondering, what's the matter with me? And that sense of, I'm good. I don't need anything. It just evaporates. That quickly. So Paul says, I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned, there he says again, I've learned 
the secret of being content in any and every situation. He writes this from prison. Whether well-fed or hungry, he's hungry. I have learned the secret. What, oh, what let me back up. Whatever the circumstances, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have, have plenty. He's in need now. I have learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry. He's hungry now. Whether living in plenty or in want, he's in want now. He says, I can do all things through Christ. Who gives me strength. Isn't that beautiful? That's the power of faith. That it goes beyond any experience that we have right now. That your heart can reach out to God and find contentment in Him where there is no other reason to be content. But God has ample supply for each one of us, no matter what we're going through. It's not just a cute phrase, that last verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not just something that for Steph Curry to write on his, tennis sho- his basketball shoes. It, it's more powerful. It, it comes from the crucible of prison in great lack, in great need. And Paul says, I can do all things through Christ. It's not just a flippant statement. It's a statement laced with power. If we'll put it in our own heart and put it on our own lips, we can realize the same power that Paul wrote it with. And I love to hear that statement. I can do all things through Christ. Don't you? I can keep preaching through Christ without lights. So contentment, let's define it. What it it is, it's simply accepting who God wants me to be. Not who I wish to be. Well, I can see you a lot better now. So I think the problem is a lot of times we think that we're content where we are right here and then we see something over there and then we want to go over there and so we go over there and now we're here (laughs) when we go over there. And the thing that we find out when we go over there, which is now your new here, is that you brought yourself over to the new here. And when you bring yourself over to the new here, you're still not content because contentment is a thing of the heart. It's not where you are. It's not what you're experiencing. It's not what you have. It's a thing of the heart. That's why through Christ I can be content because Christ lives in our heart. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that powerful and then helpful? And the thing is that when you get yourself over to that new here, over there, you see another there, over there, and you think, I want to go over there too. And then what do you do? You do like I do. I just keep going in circles instead of dialing in with God. There's always more somewhere else. 
They don't want to keep chasing that something else. I do want to keep chasing the plan of God for my life. But there's a big difference. So comparison kills contentment. There's two very distinct outcomes when, in our lives when we compare. The first thing is when we start comparing ourselves with others and other things, you can write this down if you're taking notes, is that comparison can lead us into pride. It can leave us prideful. Comparison leaves us prideful. Luke chapter 18, Jesus is telling the story of this Pharisee who would be like a religious leader. And he uses this illustration about the, the Pharisee. Um, and he says this in chapter 18 of verse 9. He says, to, to some who were confident in their own righteousness, and they looked down on everyone else. Jesus told the parable, so two men went up to the temple to pray, and one was a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector. And the Pharisee stood by himself and he prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Boy, Jesus could tell a story, couldn't he? I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. Now we think in our trained minds in Christianity, if you're a Christian, you think, I would never pray like that. Careful, you just did it. <laughs> you just looked down on somebody the way he prayed, right? So well, I'd never pray like that. I'd never well, watch it. You can be prideful. We do this. We say we, we won't do it in our head. We say we, won't, we wouldn't be like that. We say it in our head once in a while. And, and, and it might even come out our lips, but most of the time it just stays stuck in our head. But we're thinking we would never be like that person. You don't know. You don't know what their circumstances were. You don't know what drove them to, to be the, the way they are and make the decisions that they've made. You don't know. We have no luxury to judge others in that way. We don't know if we wouldn't be, but by the grace of God, just exactly like that or worse. So we, we have to stave this thing. We have to kill this thing. We can't let it fester in our minds because comparison, when we look down on others, it does nothing but bring us into this area of pride. I remember when I was really tested with this, I was thinking before I was a parent, before I was married, I was thinking, man, I'm going to be a great parent. And I think other people just don't know how to handle their kids. <laughs> and I remember going to restaurants thinking, Man, they, they just don't have it together, do they? And watching their kids being unruly at the restaurants and stuff. And, and then a, a thing happened. Die one day had four kids. And I don't know what happened. But I can remember the day. We, there was a period of time where we didn't eat out. And, and, because we, our hands were just full. You know, it's kids, man. They're, just, they're great, but boy, they take a lot... It takes more than two hands. It takes a lot of concentration. And so we just didn't eat out. And then one time Dice said, we get to go Pizza Hut 
after church today, and I'm like, oh, right. And I got talking to the kids, we get to go to Pizza Hut today, you know, and, and we're excited about going. We go to Pizza Hut, and they just start, you know, the la- they used to have lattice behind the, the benches there, and, and the kids were just climbing up that, the bench, that lattice, and they, I couldn't keep them straightened out. And finally, Dice says, we're done, we're going home. I was so mad. So we're walking out to the car, or to the, our van, it had Dodge Caravan van. We're walking out to the van, and, and uh, in the parking lot, I'm yelling at the kids. I was like, look, we got to go home now. Mom's making us go home now because you wouldn't pay attention. You wouldn't obey Mom, and now we got, and all the pizza's inside, the, inside pizza, and we don't get to eat it. And I, I'm literally saying this. I'm going crazy. I'm just going crazy. And... And they start crying, and we get in the van, and I start crying. <laughs> I'm thinking about, man, all the pizza, you know. So God was teaching me how to eat my words and how to eat my pride. And not to compare. It was a good lesson for me. I know none of you have ever had one of those pride lessons. C.S. Lewis said, We say that people are proud of being rich or clever or good-looking, but they're really not. They're proud of being richer or cleverer or better-looking than others. If everyone else was to become equally rich or clever or good-looking, there would be nothing to be proud about. I don't think the answer is making everybody equal to everybody else. I don't think that works. That destroys our uniqueness and the initiative that God gives us to develop what he's given us. But listen, God doesn't make us equal. That was never his design. He gives you gifts and abilities that I don't have. I'm going to tell you something. Di's not here so I can talk about her. She's with the grandkids in Chicago right now. So don't go out of here and tell her what I said. But it's taken a, I don't care if you do or not. It's taken us 30 years. It's taken us three decades to learn this, that we have different gifts and we can work well together if we just honor the gifts that the other person has. You know how hard that lesson has been for us? Because we just, bam, bam, because we both have leadership aspects, but we have leadership in different ways. And it took so much conversation, so much work to talk to each other and really get down to hard issues. I just encourage you, if you're butting heads, talk it out and find out what those other, not, 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 they know what your gifts are. You need to know what their gifts are. I tried for years trying to explain what I can do and what what she needed to know. And it wasn't really working very well. Until I finally said, what do you want to do? Where do you think you're the best Diane? You know, where, where are you mostly gifted? Or gifted the best way? And when I started hearing that, and it took a lot of, a lot of conversations. The second thing that comparison is to do is just the opposite. It can make you jealous. Make you prideful. You start looking down on people, or else if you start comparing and you keep on comparing yourself to other people, pretty soon you're going to get jealous 
of what they got that you don't have. And the way God works in the body, he, gives, he doesn't make us equal. He gives gifts to you that he doesn't give to me. And there's a reason, so that I will depend on you. That I will ask you for your gifts to work in my life. I will solicit your gifts working in my life. That's what's making this church stronger, is your gifts being used. We have teams here that we never had before. Once we started to wake up, that we need help. And you know what? God has put in each of you gifts that help. I was watching Mr. Jake. Don't everybody just love Jake on the drums, man? <laughs> but I just noticed something today. Maybe you've had it before. I noticed your wife, she'd go barefoot when she, she I was like, sometimes during worship, I'm thinking, we got the only barefoot drummer in the, in, in, in the town, you know? <laughs> Well, I noticed this today with Jake. He's got this something strapped to his foot. I was like, and he's doing this with it, right? Am I catching on? I'm not musical, so this is a stretch for me. But it's like I got a rattle in it, right? I was like, wow, that's cool, you know. Who would have thought that? But he's got gifts. He's got gifts. You got gifts. We all need each other's gifts if we'll depend on them, you know, and, and then bring our gifts because somebody's depending on that gift that comes from you. We need each other. That's what the body works like. It, 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 that's what works with us the most. So I want to go back to my buddy Brad for a second, and then we'll wrap up. I guess I'll do this next week. I had a really good illustration, but just ne next time maybe. I want to go back to my buddy Brad when I was growing up, mom let me do anything to my room. And I think that's really where my creativity started. <laughs> it was like, oh, really? I can do anything, huh? And I did the same with these, these guys. They, I let them do anything. And it took mom a while to get that room back, you know, to normal. Um, but one of the things that I had when I was about 10 years old was a bookshelf. I had a bookshelf in the room, and it stood about six feet high. And it had a pull bottom with a toy canister place in there and then the shelving above that and as a 10 year old I'm looking at that bookshelf and I'm, and I'm thinking you know that bookshelf is kind of boring looking and uh, I wasn't sure what to do with it so I painted it you know for a 10 year old it's not going to be the greatest paint job but I painted it and it's like it looks better but it's still not what I want and the next thing I, I, I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do with it Sometimes I walk through this church and this building, and I think, what can I do next, you know? And it's just that same thing. It started when I was 10 or earlier, because mom let me do anything to that room. And I'm looking at this bookshelf and say, what can I do? I painted it, and, well, I was eating a banana one night uh, for dinner. This literally happened. And I don't know if you remember the Chiquita, there they are. Remember those little stickers? Well, I'm eating this banana, I peel a banana, and the sticker comes off on my hand, and I eat my banana, and I'm looking at the sticker on my hand. I walk back and put that sticker on the bookshelf. I was like, yeah, it works. I ate so many bananas. I must have ate 100 bananas over the Mom, keep buying bananas, and I kept taking those stickers, and I just put those stickers all over that, that bookshelf. And I... It was completely covered with Chiquita stickers. 
Isn't that cool? You've probably never seen a bookshelf like that. So Brad, being a doctor's kid, nothing against doctors, just they, they're affluent, you know. And he had, we were playing in his house all the time, and they had really nice furniture, and we'd play over there every time until we'd break something, and Mrs. Mrs. Brad's mom would kick us out. And uh, so Brad's finally, he's like, hey, why don't we play over at your place next time, Hagney? And I said, and I'm thinking in my mind, and I've been over at Brad's house, and they got nice stuff. I don't really want Brad to come over and see my stuff. Anybody ever been there? I, and I sure don't want him to see that bookshelf. Because I'm kind of sensitive, an artistic type, you know. <laughs> and I don't want him criticizing my bookshelf. Because I, I really like that bookshelf. And, and so I was thinking all that and I just said, Nah, Brad, we ain't going to go over there Mom won't let us. Mom happened to be walking outside right then. Miss Agnes, is it okay if we come over and play? <laughs> and so we go in. He, he waltzes in there. He, Brad, a pretty bold guy. And he walks down the hallway. And I'm kind of gingerly walk, walking behind him. I'm not, my, my, my office, my, my room is at the end of the hallway. And he goes in there. And I'm like, oh, shoot. And then he goes, Cool stickers! Cool stickers! I will never forget that as long as I live. I, I kind of rush in. He goes, that, that is so cool. And he said this. He said, my mom would never let me do this. I felt a hundred times bigger just because he would encourage me. He was never of the mind. He never was this way where he would compare what he had com- with mine. I was the one doing it. And it caused envy and jealousy to come up in my heart. And I was becoming this person I didn't want to be. Brad, help me. The story's not over. So we kind of part our ways a little bit because he got into football and I got into basketball. And we saw each other at parties and stuff like that. And we always had fun. Um, but he got into some dark things and, and I received Christ. And our, our paths were different. So fast forward several years, a lot of years. He, he was messed up by this time. And I was at Kroger parking lot. And I was just waiting for Diane to come out. And he sticks his, his uh, he, he was there and he, he came over and he sticks his head. And, and Brad was a, he, he, it wasn't just that his family had money. I mean, he was a good-looking guy. He had a rifle of an arm for He was our quarterback. Chicks loved him, you know. I had, like, when he was getting good-looking, I had size 13 foot, you know. And I had a long head. And, and, you know, so I was just, there was all kinds of reasons to be jealous of him. And he was never that, he, he was always kind. But he stuck his head in in the passenger side of the, my car and, or the van at that time. And he says, hey, Higney. And I said, hey, Brad. He said, he said, hey, Higney, I heard you got religion. And these are his exact words. And I said, Brad, man, don't say that. And he said, I, I did ask Jesus to guide my life from here on out. And he just looked at me and he said, 
I need to come out and see you at church then. And he said, would you pray for me? I said, absolutely. And, and then I said, you know, you can call me anytime you want. He said, I'll do that. He never did. He never called me. I called him a couple times and invited him to come to church and all that kind of thing and tried to get in his life. It just wasn't happening. And I got, I heard it from the grapevine that, that Brad received Christ over at Salem Avenue Baptist. Dropped to my knees and just thank God because he's one I've been prayed for ever since high school. And I was like, wow, it's amazing. And then he was killed. And he was killed. I did his funeral. And you know, I know a lot of people in the community, and I've heard a lot of it, and a lot of talking bad about him, saying how messed up he was. I never had that thought, not one, I, I guarantee you. I never had one thought like that. You know why? I can't look down on him. He never looked down on me. And to this day, there's two things that burn in my heart. Things that he said that gave me life. And the first was, those grades aren't that bad. And the second, good stickers. Great stickers. Cool stickers. How can something like that bring life? Because it's so like God. Because God loves each one of us. He doesn't compare you with me or me with you or you with her or with him. He doesn't compare anybody. He's created each of us beautifully. We're his masterpiece. Each one of us. Not equal. Unique. And we're special. That's why I love team sports so much because it brings gifts and abilities that each one has and molds and, and the team is greater than any one person. That's what's making this church so strong is that you're bringing your gifts. It's so important. People are dying for what we've got here. Oh, I really don't know how to end this. But God's so good, isn't He? Let's just stand and let's... I just want you to be encouraged right now that, that no matter what you're going through, no matter what comparisons are, are plaguing you, because it's, it's something that's evil. It can become so evil when we just don't think that we measure up. And God's looking at us and saying, yeah, you do. You do. I created you. And then I cleaned you up through the blood of Jesus and made you righteous. It doesn't matter. I don't look at your inhibitions. I don't look at your, your mistakes. I don't look at your sins. I don't look at all of that. I absolutely love you right where you are. Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to respond right now to you and just say thank you for how you made us. And we want to accept that. We want to feel good. Not, 
not feel good just for the, sense, for the sake of feeling good, but have that greater sense that we feel good because you have helped us, given us strength through your love, that you have accepted us. We won't compare. I know we're human, so Lord, let me rephrase that. We'll try not to compare anymore. But Holy Spirit, help us. Help us not to compare, not to look down on anybody. And not only that, but not to look down on ourselves. Help us not to be conceited in any way, shape, form, fashion. And help us not to be jealous in any way, shape, form, or fashion. Help us to find our contentment in you. And if there is any comparison, let us compare ourselves to Jesus. And just be thankful that He lives inside of us and is changing us. Help us to grow spiritually so that we can help other people. God, we honor You. Because we owe everything to You. Thank You for being our Father. We love You. In Jesus' name, Amen. I hope this has been a blessing to you. I hope it's charged you up. If you need some extra prayers like this is really helping me but I, I want to pray with somebody over some issues and we got some pray, praying people up here and we'd love to connect with you in prayer otherwise have a great 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 day thank you again for being here and listening and and taking it with you and helping other people in Jesus name amen